Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Natural Co-Creators show with Jennifer Lynch. And this afternoon I have with me Amanda Hart. Amanda is an intuitive consultant and she can be found at www.thesoulsearchingcenter.com and Amanda has recently written a book called The Guys Upstairs which is a great title and this book is coming out on the 30th of November. So hello Amanda, how are you? Hello Jennifer, I'm very well, thank you, how are you? Absolutely fantastic. It's a good day today, despite the rain. We have to keep positive, don't we? Oh, absolutely. But we did have a lovely day yesterday, so, you know, that's what we've got to think, isn't it? Mm. Okay, so, Amanda, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And if we say, you know, why did you write the book? I mean, can you summarise why you wrote the book? Yeah, well, actually, I was asked to write the book several years ago when I was on My Spirit Radio. Uh, Suzanne Corby was one of the directors at the time. She recognised that I was doing things that were very unique. And she nominated me to go on Britain's Psychic Challenge on Channel 5, which was hosted at the time by Patricia Goddard. Um, mm. I, I wasn't prepared to do it at the time because I didn't see any reason for it until I became ill and ended up in hospital. And couldn't see clients anymore so the only thing I could do while I was going through recovery was to write so it sort of came to me you know as as a bit of a default really so that's how it started yes absolutely I'm just going to add so that the book is published by Austin McCauley Publishers Limited so I think we should have that in there as well it's very important so presumably you will be on their website and the book will be on Amazon as well and other places yeah I believe that's going to start in November because it's not released until the 30th of November so I think you'll start to see all the the insight information and all the events linked to it on their website from November yeah, okay. So we'll talk about so you were asked to write this and you you went on Psychic Challenge and you had this connection with My Spirit Radio. So were you actually a, a radio host for My Spirit Radio? Yes, I was asked to go on the show as a presenter, so I did that for about a year until I decided to move on from that. It wasn't something again that I decided I wanted to do. It was something that gave me a lot of experience with interviewing people and getting a lot of insight in the industry, in the mind-body-spirit industry. So it was a very interesting time. Mm, definitely. I do know Adam, actually. So that's another, <laughs> another connection we have, Absolutely. Adam. Yeah. And uh, he actually published my first book, Skin Deep. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw that one on my spirit books, but I'm it was spirit well. So it's got lots of, lots of coincidences, you know, things that have, well, they're not coincidences, are they? Synchronicities going on here between us, which is quite amazing. Yeah. Okay, so it's the book starts 
in your childhood and goes through to middle age, doesn't it? Yeah, well, actually, it goes up to the last couple of years. I found that I had to do this sort of chapter by chapter as I went through my life. And it, it makes sense because each chapter is a story in itself to understand about how we go through these cycles of deprivation. So I had to obviously chart the beginning of my life to show why I came into the work I'm doing today. And that is because I found the solutions to overcome the programs that I took on in childhood. And it was through the guys upstairs that sh- showing me how to do this. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And that's what I've written about. When you've listened to the guys upstairs, how old were you when you, it was them obviously, but how old were you when you first started noticing them? I actually noticed them when I was very, very little. I used to have recurring dreams. And so they used to come to me in my dreams. And then I must have been about three. And now looking back, I realized they were warning me. They were helping me to understand they were going to be with me. Very soon after I started having the dreams, I was taken from my mother by my father and my life completely changed. So from going from a very, very loving and very supported background with a big family, I went into a very dark and very sinister world where I had to learn to survive. My angels came to me through my dream state and through my play whenever I was in time of need. And, uh, you know, and they were always there. I always felt that somehow... I was completely and utterly protected, even though I went through some horrendous experiences. Mm, That must have been absolutely terrible for you. Where were you living at the time, Amanda? I was living down in Surrey. We lived in a a middle-class family, very respectable from the outside. My father was very well off. He was a hard worker, self-made man. From the outside, he was somebody who would always help people in the community, was friend to the police, he was, you know, in the Masons, he was a, you know, a community man. However, there was this dark side that people didn't know about, which was in the, you know, within the family walls. And as a child, I learned to keep quiet, you know, like many other children did in those days. And so uh, I learned to survive and I learned tactics to cope, as children do, coping mechanisms to help us to get through. Mm. So the book goes into this in quite graphic detail, doesn't it? I try not to go into too much detail because it's not a kiss and tell. I had to give an element of what happened, and by no means do I go into the graphics of what mm. happened. Um, I mean, I went through 14 and a half years of what, what I would call torture. And I believe that we either we come out of it scarred to, to some level, and we either have the uh, coping mechanism to help us to get through and overcome that or we then go into a life where we keep on attracting more and more negative situations and that's what I did even though I had the will to have a better life uh, my programs kept on attracting more and more dire situations okay so how old were you when you left home did you eventually leave uh, get out of yes the I, I did I escaped really I, I um I know it sounds awful but my father was very poorly and went into hospital he had a brain tumor and so I was battling with that as well so when he went into hospital that's when I made my escape from home because I wasn't allowed to leave until I was married uh, so I was just under 18 years of age then but I, you know, I had no future. I had nothing set for me. I was supposed to take on the family business. And I had to find a home for myself. I had to feed myself. I got a job and I went to college in the evening just to survive. So, 
you know, from there on, it was down to me to look after myself, which I I was never prepared for. Yes, that is difficult, isn't it? I can imagine, you know, um, very difficult. And there must have been a lot of fear surrounding you then as well. Yes, and and I think it was because I had very little support. I suppose I've been been protecting everything that was happening because even though I knew it was wrong, I equally knew, equally knew I had to keep quiet. So I segregated myself from friends and other members of the family so that they didn't find out. So when I left home, I, I had very little support. And so I had to, to, you know, make do and trust that the world was going to help me. But uh, it, mm. it, it wasn't a friendly place at all. No. And so you said this carried on with your other relationships. Was this romantic relationships or friendships or generally? It it didn't matter whether I had friendships or whether I had, you know, relationships, partnerships. They seemed to be getting worse. The older I got, the worse they got until eventually I married a man that um, took, uh, well, advantage of me. And when I tried to separate and divorce him, he ended up running away with my child. So... I think that was the turning point for me. For me, losing my child was was like losing my life. And because she had gone, because I had to find her, I had to find answers, and I couldn't find them in the in the ordinary everyday world. So desperate as I was, I did anything to search for a, a reason why this had happened. So I, you know, apart from the fact that we were making searches through Missing Persons Bureau and the police and all sorts of other organisations. I started then looking into more spiritual aspects of life as to, well, what is really going on? Why am I keep attracting this situation, these dire situations? Mm. Yes, exactly. So was this before you were diagnosed with meningitis? Because you were diagnosed with meningitis in 2003. Was that after your you? Was, you had your child taken from you? Yeah, that, that was 10 years later. I'd searched for my daughter and we'd eventually found what had happened to her. But by then, because she had been settled into a, a home with my husband and his new partner, who she was claiming to be called mum, we had oh. to accept that. And, and it was awful. It was like you, you can grieve uh, and you can go through a grieving process. You can't ever get over losing a child. There is a process to grief, but when you lose a child that's taken from you and you're every day feeling that attachment still to them and wanting to, to bring them back into your life, it's excruciating. So I still continue to include her in my life, even though she wasn't there. But, uh, but there was a huge hole. There was a, and I think I filled that with that spiritual understanding that started to slowly come into my life to, to build that faith that there was going to be a reunion at some stage in my life. Yes. So when your daughter came back into your life, which I assume she's back in your life now, is she? Yeah, well, actually, this is only very recently, would you believe? And even though uh, she made contact with me, which is in the first book, my second book, which is the sequel to The Guys Upstairs, which I'm writing at the moment, is the story about how she's come back into my life now and all the other aspects that have, have come to fruition because of you know, what I got from The Guys Upstairs. There is a happy ending, but it was 21 years too late. Uh, dear, oh dear. Uh, 21 years ago. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. As I say, okay. it, you know, I can't tell you. I never gave up hope, and that was the faith that I had because of the guys upstairs. So that's why you know, I believe that she's here with me today. Mm, yeah, exactly. 
goodness me, that is a long time. Yeah. And, you know, but, but if you're, you never give up. You never give up. You would never give up on your child. No, you just wouldn't. absolutely not. I think that was it. And I, I suppose in a way I felt it was a bit of a dangled carrot because I wanted to believe that I had purpose in my life, but I couldn't accept that going down that route of spirituality was going to compensate for losing her. However, mm-hmm. it did make me realise that later on down the line, when I started to work in this field, which I did and I have done for 20 years, that actually all the people I have helped have been in situations which have been dire or as dire as mine or, or maybe worse. And I've been able to be there because I empathise, I've been able to understand it. So I I get why I'm doing this work. I suppose it's, if it wasn't for the loss of my daughter, I would never have gone down this particular route. I know, it's interesting how it works, isn't it? Because sometimes you think, well, you know, I've suffered these experiences and it couldn't get any worse than this. But then later on, you're actually helping people mm-hmm. that have suffered similar situations, if not worse. Yeah. And you think, well, without you possibly going through that pain, you wouldn't be able to help others. Mm. I just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think that everybody has to suffer in order to help others. But I just feel that if you have got that experience, you can connect to that person in a different sort of way. I really do. Yeah. I think it's really, when I look at it, and that's why I had to write the book to make sense of it. Um, when I look back now, the signs were all there when I was a child. Mm. It's only when you actually read the book that you actually realise, gosh, perhaps this was even worked out before she was born. And that's how I see it now. I I can see clearly that my particular role, especially with the campaign I'm involved in now, could never have come to fruition if it hadn't been for the experiences I've I've had. And so this is going to touch, you know, many hundreds, perhaps, I mean, we're hoping thousands, possibly millions, and that's our aim. This yeah. message, which is that we can all overcome these, you know, these negative aspects of our life. We have the power to do it, and uh, and we can also do a lot of good in this world. And we don't necessarily have to go through negative experiences to actually achieve that. Mm. I mean, we're going to talk a bit more about the book in a minute and what your your plans are for the book and how you're sort of rolling it out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, it says. Amanda's life became a kaleidoscope of spiritually interwoven encounters with psychics, psychologists, bizarre New Age characters. And you also took a trip to Egypt and Glastonbury. Now, this fascinates me. So, are you, that's your dog. <laughs> to let you know he's there. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I, in 2004, 16th of May, to be precise, and I was sitting there one day when suddenly this very profound message came through to me that I had this mission to accomplish here. Now, bear in mind, this was 11 years ago, and I had no understanding at the time you know, what this was about. All I was given was the, the outcome. I was shown that this is what I was going to do. I was here to broadcast a very important message which was going to help people. Um, at the time, I, my husband had just walked out that day, so I I was not interested whatsoever in doing any campaigning. I, I was a very ordinary, down-to-earth mum. I remarried, had two children under the age of two, and I just wanted to you know, do the school run, come home, do the ironing, and watch Emmerdale. You know, I just I was quite happy playing with my children and being a mum. 
But it became a very, very surreal experience because the next six months, I was suddenly getting this information that was coming to me, connecting me with some very weird and wacky people, which were absolutely incredible in helping me with my spiritual development. And I guess you can only say that I went through this massive radical attunement process because I kept seeing things and hearing things and I was, I had an awareness which was so sharp that at times it even frightened me. Um, And I ended up going to, to all sorts of stone circles and, you know, building altars at home and researching bizarre and wacky material and then eventually ending up twice in the in the Great Pyramid in one year doing some profound, you know, work to, to help, you know, raising the consciousness. It was a really surreal time. However, it also helped me to understand about how the, the mind-body-spirit industry works, about authenticity, about discernment, and about being grounded. So I sort of fast-tracked um, so that I could understand what information is out there for people to understand to help them on their spiritual path? Mm. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like the two ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. finding that balance in the middle. And it's sometimes like we have to go right to the other end of it. And sometimes we might think, yes, OK, I can understand that it is credible. Um, what these people are saying but possibly that's not for me and I think that what happens is once you've been to that other end and I've also been to that other end I've heard every single therapy there is you know um, sometimes I think well you know why am I bouncing back to being conventional and I think eventually the bounce I can't explain it the sort of polarity between being conventional and being really um, different polarizes and you sort of come back to a center where you're more integrated with everything and you might say oh yeah I do believe in in this that and the other but I don't actually have to take everything on board there simply is not time is there no no and I think that that's the most as you're saying it's, it's very important to to look at it like that it's about being grounded it's about having you know and I, as I talk about it you know it's, it's about making this as normal as possible because it is normal it's it's energy at the end of the day and we we need to have one foot in the physical world as well as one foot in the energy world because when we experience the two we are complete and that's simply Mm. you know the way I I see it I try to you know ground it as much as possible Mm. and also within the mainstream media the local radio going on there and then being able to say yes I do believe in angels because I actually I've done that as well mm. and for them to not say oh you don't believe in angels do you You know that's something weird and wacky because it is not weird and wacky to believe in angels there mm. are angels everywhere and the angels are helping everybody everybody has angels around them whether they like it or not yeah. so you know, it's quite good to be, it's sort of groundbreaking, to be quite honest. You're a groundbreaking woman, aren't you? You know, I like to, to I suppose I, I do take off my father in that sense. And I do feel that if we've got a message and it's authentic, then I think we, you know, we have a responsibility to share that as long as it doesn't, you know, impose on anybody else's beliefs. And I think we all have a right to be open to all the information so we can discern what is right for us. I mean, I I recently had an email from a researcher who works to support women who are abused, um, who has read my book, 
and uh, and she came back to me and said, well, you know, I can't really review this and, and advocate it because I feel really because of these voices you used to hear, I think you should have got psychological treatments for it. Um, and I do feel for you because I feel that perhaps by writing this book, you, you perhaps have made yourself feel better. Uh, yeah. she, she didn't understand. And I said simply, I said, well, actually, if I hadn't listened to these voices, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, 20 years on, having helped thousands of people, and I wouldn't be alive because it's them that helped me when I was in hospital. I wouldn't have found yeah. my daughter, and I wouldn't have had the solutions that I've had, you know, over and over again to help me overcome all the challenges and to help other people to overcome them too. So, you know, it's, as I say, it, it doesn't mean to say that if we've got letters after our name or we've, we've studied at Harvard or wherever, that we know all the answers. Wisdom comes from being open and accepting that there is so much more out there than we realise. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. So, Amanda, you've been a therapist for over 20 years, haven't you? Yeah. And you're now going to, um, you're not just selling this book, you are actually planning on putting on workshops and you've got one this weekend at Neil's Yard in Bury St Evans, is that right? That's right, yes, yeah. Um, I'm based there now, so it's, you know, I've got a couple of places where I work from, but yes, we are planning to take this out around the country to teach workshops to people about what I call opening up our success mechanism. That's fantastic. Okay, so you've got one this weekend. Is that Saturday yes. and Sunday, 24th and 25th? No, it's just the Saturday, so it's 10 till 5. I mean, we are fully booked anyway, but I've got another one coming up in January, and we'll be doing the book signing pre-launch for the Christmas fair at Neil's Yard. So I will be there on the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think that's the 27th, 28th, and 29th of November. We're doing the book signings from 12 till 2. And from that, people are very welcome to sign up for the workshop in, in January at Neil's Yard. That's absolutely fantastic. It's a beautiful place on Abbeygate Street, yeah. on a major energy line, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be better. We're going to bring in a bit of weird and wacky here, people. I'm sorry, but we are. <laughs> so... I mean, that, that just, you know, it's a great location, isn't it? And they have lots of events and different things going on there. Therapies, beautiful, beautiful cosmetics and beautiful oh, bath things and all sorts like that. Um, so absolutely amazing. And so you're looking forward to your book launch? Yes, yes, absolutely. The writing of the book itself was probably the toughest part. It took me five years and because of that, it's prompted another book. So um, I, don't, right. I don't think people realise how difficult it is to actually put this book together. But um, the writing of it itself was the, probably the hardest part of the journey. Mm, yes, I can imagine. Well, I think it's fantastic that you've written this book, Amanda, because you're getting out there to help other abused women. Yeah. You know, there are so many women out there who are suffering in silence. Yes. And if some of those women can read a book like this mm. and not only just read it but realise what they can do to help themselves. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it is very painful to write these books as well. But at the same time, you're actually helping other people with their pain. So yeah. I think it's yeah. totally amazing. And I, I wish you all the luck with that. Thank you. Well, that was the intention. The, the, the book is to highlight a lot of what we call coercive control, which is the issues that are coming up now, which they are 
addressing with the law changes that are coming up. So this is actually 90% of the research that they've done, and this is uh, Evan Stark, Professor Evan Stark, who's actually endorsed my book. His research shows that 90% of domestic violence actually doesn't get recognized in the courts or the, the policing system because of the way it's addressed. That that's why they're changing the law. So a lot of women who will read the book will recognize actually the, the subtle abuse that goes on at so many levels. Some of these women for 20 years have gone through this and haven't recognized that they've actually been abused until they start reading this material. So this is what it's about. Mm. Yes, there is a level of abuse that is more like emotional blackmail sometimes, but yeah. it's quite interesting. People wouldn't even realise, like you say, that emotional blackmail is a form of abuse. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many elements to abuse. DCI uh, Steve Jackson, he's the head of uh, the College of Policing. He's also endorsed my book, and he's part of this campaign which is trying to raise awareness. And he, he's an advocate for Peace One Day and, and many other organisations that are helping to, to raise awareness about these issues. So, you know, I'm very, very fortunate that I've got some fantastic uh, experts in the field who are actually going to help me to get out there to, to raise this, this message, this crucial message. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm just going to ask you one more thing before we go. Yeah. And have you got a message in particular or one thing that you would like to say to women now who might be listening to this? Mm -hmm. Just one tip or one piece of advice that you would like to give them? Yeah, I think regard to empowerment, life usually gives us lots of choices. And that's what we think there are. Uh, in actual fact, there's always two choices. Is either the right way or the way that will take us down the route that's going to be the difficult one. And it usually means that we stay in the situation that's not good for us. The right way is to actually listen to our heart. And if our heart says, this is the way we go, it might be difficult. We might feel fear because we're, you know, we're worried about security or being uh, ashamed of what's happened. Or we might even feel that we won't be heard. But if your heart tells you that it's the right way, you will actually get all the help you need because that's what angels are about. They help you when, when you're in the time of need. Absolutely. Okay, thank you, Amanda Hart. You're welcome. Thank you thank so you, much. Jennifer. Bless you for having me on. Okay, thank you very much. Bye for now. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.